welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 183rd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 638th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, August 20th, 2020. I am your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred earlier this week when former Indiana standout Jawan Morgan gained a start for the Utah Jazz in the NBA playoffs. This is a great moment for Jawan and a reward for his hard work both in college and in the professional ranks. As an undrafted free agent, Morgan has worked his way through the G League and earned time with the Utah Jazz. This is great for the young man himself, but also provides a nice recruiting pitch for Archie Miller and staff. They coached Morgan for his last two years at Indiana. Morgan averaged 7.5 points per game as a sophomore and improved to over 15 points a game as a senior. The best attribute of his is his hard work and tough play, and Miller, in his short tenure, has now had two players enter the NBA. Romeo Langford also is getting increased run for the Boston Celtics, and with Trace Jackson Davis poised to move into the professional ranks, soon Coach Miller will be able to show future recruits that he can get players to the next level. Of course, he needs to lead the Hoosiers to more wins and also improve the offense to really get the Hoosiers in a good place with recruits and us fans. However, it is hard to find fault with Coach Miller's recruiting at this point. Let's hope Jawan and Romeo continue to find success, and let's hope that Indiana can continue to land top recruits and develop them into professional players. Okay, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left... You'll have fun, fun, fun. Fun, fun, fun. And I hit the button too soon, but that doesn't mean uh, that Andy is not here. Uh, Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball? Well, in an offseason that uh, has felt pretty weird, I feel like one of the things we would usually talk about uh, in the offseason during these times was, uh, you know, the, the no news is good news type of weeks. Uh, but, uh, you know, while many things surrounding this offseason are still odd, I, I still kind of fall back on the uh, we had a no news is good news scenario as students start to get to IU and, uh, and and things like that. And I think that's all you really can can hope for at this point. If you're, uh, you know, holding out hope for for the season, there's been uh, some discussions on what the NCAA has a mid-September uh, timeline, I think, to talk about what their plans are for the season. They've uh, shown at least some willingness in. Uh, in in conversations to be open to the bubble idea that's been that we batted around a little bit last week. So, um, you know, I, it's it's hard to feel wildly optimistic about really anything right now. But um, there are some some positive vibes, uh, at least from a college basketball perspective, and hopefully they can figure out ways to do that, uh, do that safely. I'm I'm kind of. Uh, pressing forward with looking at teams, thinking about uh, bracketology. Maybe it's an act of optimism on my own part. I pre-ordered my copy of Blue Ribbon today, so I feel like uh, all the normal, many of the normal off-season things are 
are happening. So hopefully that's a, a good sign for a season to come. But yeah, I, I kind of go with uh, these days and anything related to a sports team that you follow. Uh, no news is definitely good news. You know, Andy, you bring up a good good point. There were a few years where we'd uh, have a lot to talk about because of off season issues, and and those have, <laughs> it's good to have those uh, go away. And and the blue ribbon uh, pr- uh, basketball preview is a is a must. Uh, no free ads, I guess, but um, uh, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to getting that soon and and reading up uh, for for similar reasons. And to my right, he runs one of the most beloved IU Athletics Twitter accounts, and he has one of the largest collections of IU memorabilia on earth. He is Chris Williams better known as IU Artifacts. Any uh, recent additions uh, to your collection? And um, any face mask, IU face masks, going to end up going into yours, you know, like uh, from from players or coaches going to make your collection? I don't think I could stoop that low. Um, I'm just enjoying the nice uh, embroidered with the, uh, or the IU interlock seal that they sent out to, uh, to students and faculty, my wife got a couple, so those are nice. But I'm not, uh, I'm not that desperate. But I did, I did score a couple uh, 2002 Final Four bench chairs that IU used when they were down in Atlanta, which is kind of bittersweet because of the result. But uh, those are, those are pretty nice. But other than that, just uh, you know, trying to take it in and kind of adding on to what Andy said, being here in Bloomington and seeing the rush. I will tell you the university has done a really good job to. Uh, they handle the, the testing. They're using the athletic facilities in the parking lots for the masks. You know, there's been some footage about some major parties, but for the most part, people are doing their thing because they they want to have some kind of level of normalcy in Bloomington this fall without football. But we'll see what happens. And I'm not holding my breath yet for basketball, but I'm trying to be realistically, you know, optimistic, but also, you know, who's going to like Andy said, we don't know anything right now. Everything's kind of hanging on a thread every day. So, well, we mentioned off air that uh, Bloomington needs to to have students and people come visit. I need to come down to Bloomington see your new uh, place and and your collection. As we see in your background, it, it looks uh, quite quite impressive. Uh, so this week, here's what we're going to talk about. We have some Hoosier headlines. Uh, we're going to try to break the Big Ten into uh, tiers. We have ideas now. Officially, the NBA uh, entry uh, deadline is over. Uh, and we're going to talk about that uh, in segment two, and we're going to take some questions in segment three. All that is coming up here on Assembly Call Radio. But before we get to all that, a quick announcement. Please continue to support our friends at Home Field Apparel. Uh, they're doing a good job with their big new Saturday uh, edition. It, it, get your IU stuff first and then uh, expand out. Uh, I The last three weeks, shirts have just been fantastic if you collect college uh, gear like I do. I'm waiting up uh, to make one big uh, purchase here uh, down the road. But th- you can find them at homefieldapparel.com uh, backslash assembly20, and you can uh, use that, I believe, to uh, a promo code to get a discount. They're really good. Um, so thanks uh, to them for all that they do. So here are some Hoosier headlines. Um, we have no updates on the assistant coaching position. Um, we know that uh, the, the Griffin from Syracuse uh, is deciding to stay at Syracuse and uh, that there are some feelers out uh, to some other uh, major Division I uh, assistant coaches. Uh, be patient. Uh, Indiana needs to make a really good hire, and, and really with the COVID situation right now, uh, we, we want to take time and make sure that uh, you get it right. Uh, Eric Bossy ranks Indiana as the number one contender for Mason Miller in the recruiting uh, world, so that, that's a plus. 
Jawan Morgan, Morgan, as I uh, stated in the banner moment, uh, playing for the Utah Jazz, and Romeo played 23 minutes in Game 2 for Boston's win, in Boston's win over uh, Philadelphia. So, uh, Andy, anything stand out uh, in those headlines that that is important for the Hoosiers? Well, it probably won't surprise IU fans that Romeo is playing through uh, some ligament issues when some torn ligaments in his in his wrist. So um, good to see him kind of decide to try to gut it out and play in the playoffs and uh, get get a solid uh, a solid run there uh, in that uh, in that game too that you mentioned. Um, yeah, the assistant coach stuff. We, we talked a little bit about this last week. I think you know one of the one of the things about everything going on right now is that you. you probably have a little bit easier job of keeping under wraps, maybe who you're interested in and things like that. People just aren't out and about to um, be asking some of those questions too. So I think that may be one that is further along than anybody realizes at this point. And, and there may be some uh, news on that front that will just kind of one day will show up and be there because um, you know, the access to those kinds of things is so much different than it might normally be. Um, you know, for as much as you'd normally like to keep stuff like that under wraps, that becomes a little bit difficult to do uh, as you're, you know, shuffling people in and out for interviews and things like that, which uh, right now you're probably not doing in the same way. So uh, I got a feeling that'll be relatively quiet until it actually happens. Uh, and like we said last week, I think they'll make a, a you know, good decision there. And, and you know, you talked about Juwan off the top. I think that really exciting for him to be able to carve out a, a complimentary role uh, in the in the pros uh, so quickly. And I think, you know, while it's it's surprising to see him ascend to the point where he's starting in playoff games for them, I, I do think he's a guy based on you know, the variety of roles that he played and, and skills that he displayed at IU is a, is a really good complimentary piece for an NBA team. Doesn't need the ball on his hands, doesn't need, you know, a lot of those things can just go out and, and do uh, all little things. Use your favorite uh, coaching cliche to describe that. But I think he's a, a guy that would fit in well with a lot of different groups and a lot of different lineups. So uh, really exciting for him uh, to, uh, you know, to be playing so well and, and earning key minutes in a in a crucial time and what so far has been a, a fun NBA playoffs. Yeah. Chris, what Hoosier headlines uh, grab your attention? You know, the assistant coach search is interesting and, you know, you depending on how you read from different sources, you know, they're always throwing out the IU connection. I think we have that with what we need with Mike Roberts. You know, as much as I love a guy like Calvert Chaney or A.J. Guyton, uh, you know, I don't think either one of them are ready for this position. I think, you know, unfortunately Calvert left when he may have had a chance. And I know that there was some, maybe some disagreements there on staff and the previous staff as well. But I think you got to look for somebody who can, you can kind of contend in the East coast like Bruiser did recruiting. Um, You know, I, I I love the fact that Mike Roberts is here. So I'll be interested to see where they go in that direction. Hopefully it's somebody young and energetic and, Who's, who's ready to do what they need to do to, to bring the, the talent, continue to bring the talent in. But it's interesting about the NBA situation that Fran Fraschilla tweet that was out a couple of days ago when he talked about, you know, the kind of under the radar players that were at IU, like Jawan Morgan and OG and, and Victor, and how they came in kind of not, not dazzling recruits by any means and, and what they did here at IU, you know, both – you know, under Crean and under Miller, you know, depending on who you're talking about, it's it's amazing to see how talent, how much talent from from IU teams we see in the NBA doing really well. And you know, we're not even talking about guys like Thomas Bryant, who you know, game in and game out is is doing really well. And, and Noah Vonley, who's a name that a lot of people kind of forget about, 
you know, because he was just here a year and then, you know, Cody Zeller and obviously Romeo. So it's, it's just good to see, uh, you know, our, our program so well, so well represented in, in the pros overall. The, the headline uh, for me is uh, Mason Miller, number one, and then trying to figure out, I'm not a recruiting guy and I, I read up a little bit on it. It, it. You know, can he and Kaufman play together is a question that I have. And I, I've heard that they can, that Miller's more of a, a three and Kaufman's a four. Uh, but it's always good when you, your school gets mentioned as, as to, to be a number one. And then, you know, I don't know how serious this is, but, uh, you know, with um, the seasons up in the air, even a high school, we, we hope to have a high school season. Uh, our team's supposed to be really solid this year. But you got a couple guys uh, like Duncan and, and Kaufman that some people are saying might come to Indiana if there's no season, high school season, it might come and take a, what is it, a green shirt, gray shirt, uh, whatever, uh, red shirt for half a season um, because of the open re- recruiting spots. And I don't know how serious that is. I don't know if I'm repeating something that's just been bandying about, but I have, I did see it, and it is an interesting thought. But uh, that's months away, obviously, because decisions on high school. They're better served staying and playing high school basketball, in my opinion, um, to get games, game reps. Um, but um, – you never know. That's an interesting twist. I think Race Thompson has benefited from coming early, uh, you know, reclassifying and taking a red shirt. And I wonder if that'll be a new era if college basketball of somebody, if you have all your uh, credits and you can, your maturity level, both physically and mentally, uh, to come early, get a red shirt. Um, that would normally be your senior year of high school. Might not be a bad uh, option for some players. Uh, any thoughts on that, Andy? Yeah, it's it's IU with the open scholarships is at least in some position to entertain ideas about things like that if if guys want to do it. Um, and I've heard I've heard some of the same things. It's at least a possibility. It's uh, a lot of time between now and when they would make determinations about high school seasons. But you could certainly from a you know I'm I'm a little bit like you where you'd like to see them get the game reps and be able to actually enjoy their senior season of 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 high school basketball, but from a you know from an IU fans perspective you get them in the, the weight program and those things earlier than than they would normally i think you've already seen with Jordan Geronimo you know progress he's made in the in the weight room with Cliff Marshall over the even handful of weeks that that he's been on campus so it's pretty easy to tell yourself a, a positive story if you can get guys in and uh, and do some of those things so it's it's intriguing um something that could definitely pay benefits for you down the road. And, you know, as people have wondered what, if anything, I, you might do with those scholarships, you know, I think this does open up some Avenue to, uh, you know, have some benefit from keeping those open and, uh, and, and handling, handling those the way that they have. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think, you know, once you start to get more ideas of what college basketball might look like, what high school basketball might look like, then uh, it'll probably become a bit more clear as to how viable that really is for, for those, those two guys. Yeah, and it's just an interesting uh, situation because you see a lot of guys their high school senior year go to a, a private academy or something. Franklin Central, I think, in and I hope I have the school right, has lost two major players to go to uh, academies to play basketball for their senior year to get better, you know, more supposedly uh, more reps and 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 better preparation for the college game. You you wonder if they could graduate if that wouldn't. Uh, in the future, you'll see colleges keep scholarships open um, 
maybe in that situation. But that's just something to uh, you know to to keep an eye on. Uh, we, let's hope they enjoy their senior year and can go to state championships and 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 do that, and then come to Bloomington in June and and get to work on a, on a regular scale. Um, that that obviously would be best. Okay, coming up, um, let's talk a little Big Ten hoops now that we know who's staying and leaving. What are the tiers, and where do we place the Big Ten teams uh, from contenders to Cornhuskers? Uh, maybe that's not fair, but we break it down next. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? The full court dribble and perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the assembly call. You can find all of our content at our website. That's assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob, during our unedited live broadcast or watch these replays and see all the in-between uh, segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash assembly call. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Chris Williams, a.k.a. IU Artifacts. And we're going to talk a little Big Ten basketball here in segment two. Uh, we pretty much uh, know who is staying in the NBA draft and who's coming back. And of the 14 teams, I think there are at least – four tiers uh, of teams and, and teams within each one that could possibly uh, fall back or or maybe even move up if you're a, a second or third tier. And so, guys, let's start with the, the bottom and work our way to the top. Um, Andy, if you had a bottom tier of uh, Big Ten teams coming into this season, uh, who, who would they be besides, is it just Nebraska or is there someone else that you would add in, in a bottom tier? Yeah, I mean, it feels like Nebraska is the the obvious choice. They're pretty. They're by far the lowest in uh, in Bart Torvik's site. So for whatever whatever that's worth, they're pretty low. I mean, it's just another off season with Fred Hoiberg where you overhaul the entire roster, uh, basically with with transfers. Um, they've got you know uh, Kobe Webster coming in from Western Illinois. They got Trey McGowan's from Pitt. Although he might be a, I think he's waiting on a waiver. Uh, I think the waiver stuff will be really interesting to see. Um, what the NCAA does with that this year, but they don't really return uh, a great deal. Um, they get Teddy Allen from the Juco ranks. He used to be at West Virginia, but I just think there's so much turnover. They weren't, they, they were not good last year. So to project them as anything other than the the last team there is probably false. And and then you kind of look at, to me, the next two would be Northwestern and Maryland and uh, no Northwestern doesn't lose a ton. They lose the Pat Spencer, the, the lacrosse guy who came in and uh, and played well for them. So there's some continuity there that I think is good with some of the young guys that they that they bring back. And Maryland is uh, you know a pretty deep fall, but they lose Cowan and, and Jalen Smith. 
And they now have a bunch of guys who are in complimentary roles that now need to step up. Uh, I think they're waiting on a waiver from a guy from Boston College who was okay there at you know nine point a game uh, guy in, in Jarris Hamilton, but they just seem like they don't really have the star that they've uh, you know had over the last few years. So I think those those feel like the bottom three to me. Maybe there's an argument to be made that Maryland doesn't belong uh, in quite in quite that that low a tier, but. Uh, they're actually the second worst ranked team on on Torvik's site. So, and those three are who uh, Alex had uh, as the bottom three in uh, on the inside the hall offseason ranking. So, I I feel like those those to me feel like your bottom three again. We could argue whether Maryland's there, and, and maybe the argument is really just that Nebraska is in a tier of its own. Chris, uh, we were at the IU Maryland game, and and one Jalen Smith kind of acted a little bit out of control there at the end, right towards our side, um, and, and we weren't too happy. So uh, I had Maryland a little higher uh, in the next tier up, but can totally understand and totally root for them to be in the bottom, uh, as Andy said. Your thoughts, <laughs> exactly. on, your thoughts on the bottom tier of the Big Ten? Yeah, I, you know, you're looking at, you know, I could say Nebraska is a dumpster fire right now, I think is, a, is an accurate depiction, I think, what – you know, the whole Kobe King situation doesn't help it. And then, you know, like Andy was saying, it, you're trying to bring in, you're trying to establish some kind of program with a completely revolving door is just not possible. And Northwestern, you know, I, it's, it's hard to say what's going to happen because Collins, you know, they had the high point in the NCAA tournament, but then it's, it's kind of been a free for all free falling since then, you know, the Maryland situation is interesting because I don't know how you kind of, replace you know Anthony Cowan and Jalen Smith I'm for one not sad to see Smith go obviously but um you know it's it's hard to say you know really if they can rebuild from that the minute the Minnesota I could see Minnesota and and Maryland kind of switching spots there uh I believe Richard Patino's in the last year of his con his uh contract because I think he got a two-year extension two years ago you know and they were 15 and 16 last year um you know, you know, you're going to, you know, you lose Daniel Oturu. That's a big, that's a big loss in, in Minneapolis. And I could, I could see, I could see them rallying behind their coach or I could see them fall flat and have another losing season. Um, and that could be, that could be the big one I could see maybe flipping with Maryland, but I'm fine. I, I agree with, with Nebraska and, and North, Northwestern, but maybe flipping Maryland and Minnesota. Uh, I think that's a very good I'd, – I'd be a little leery of playing Nebraska. They'll be a wounded animal, and they'll pick off two or three teams, and you don't want to be the het team in the Big Ten that loses to Nebraska. But he'll spread and use pick and roll, and Hoiberg being a pro coach really will take advantage of weaker defenders. And, and you saw that in the overtime game that Indiana played in Nebraska. Indiana was head over heels better, uh, but, boy, they put a scare into them uh, there. And, and then Indiana had to compete a little bit at Nebraska. I think Northwestern will be better. They're the team that could pop, in my opinion, from that tier that Andy just shared. Uh, I, I like Collins as a coach. I, I just don't think they're very talented. And the team that could join this, uh, you said Minnesota, Chris. I, I don't disagree because of what you said, but I will say Penn State without Lamar Stevens might take a fall, and it's just how far do they fall. I think they do play hard, uh, but Chambers is coaching. So uh, it, it might be a situation where you know they join uh, Maryland down at that bottom tier or they replace Maryland in that bottom tier. Okay, so uh, you have three teams. You have Maryland, Northwestern, and Nebraska in the bottom tier. The next tier up, let's say the uh, C-level uh, team, 
or C level tier in the Big Ten. Uh, are they all mixed together, or do you have a B? Is it CBA level, or do you have four levels, Andy? What's the next grouping of of teams in your opinion? I think the the next two that stand out are the ones that you guys mentioned, and and so in Minnesota and Penn State, and and then Purdue's probably the next one that's in there as a question mark. Minnesota losing Oturu, Chris, as you said, is is obviously a huge loss. Uh, Marcus Carr decided to come back, so they've got him and Kalsher in the backcourt. But otherwise, they don't have anybody that scored more than three and a half points a game come back. Um, they could be really dependent upon waivers. They've got a big guy from Drake, uh, Liam Robbins, that they like to get a waiver for. And then uh, a, a guy from Utah. I think you say his name, Both Gok. I know there was a lengthy... Uh, lengthy discussion of that on the CBS uh, college basketball podcast. I forget they use so many different uh, pronunciations. I forget what the actual correct one is, but um, you know, I think having both those guys uh, would be big for them. Um, So they had uh, Jamal Mashburn jr. For what that's worth to just to make you feel a little bit older um, (laughs) as as some of these guys, kids are starting to play. That's uh, that's rough. So they're an interesting one. I think if those guys get waivers, they, they could, maybe bump up a couple spots. Uh, I, I would not say that I've been wildly impressed with uh, Rick Patino, Richard Patino's uh, coaching. So uh, I think they fit in that tier. And then Penn State, is, as you said, Coach, is, is another one that you could see going a few different ways. Um, I really like Myron Jones as a player, but losing Stevens, losing Watkins uh, it are, are big losses. So, you know, again, you've got a largely a, a team of, of role players that, that played in support of Stevens. So can somebody step in and and uh, and really fill the void there? So they're an interesting one. I think they play hard or, or tend to be solid defensively, but uh, they really lack a, a huge interior presence and, um, and and definitely have some questions there with with Stevens gone. So I think those are kind of the next two for me. And then and then Purdue is probably the other one that's arguably in that tier. I, I know the the guys at Three Man Weave had them uh, up, I think, at twenty seventh in their uh, preseason rankings, which I was kind of surprised by. I, I think it's a bit of a testament to what Painter's been able to do as, as different guys have left and uh, they had new guys be able to step in. Uh, but they've got a decent nucleus there with, with Travion Williams and, and Hunter, uh, I thought was was a solid player. Stefanovich is back. And then, you know, you got a couple guys that redshirted in, in Newman and Gillis. And so what did those guys get out of that redshirt year? We, we talked about that a little bit in the – you know, the first segment about guys being able to come in and get half a year, what benefit that could have. So I think either of those guys could, uh, you know, will will work their way into the rotation. And I think betting on them to be higher than this tier is, is potentially reasonable given the, the recent track record. But th- they, to me, are the one that's kind of the, the cutoff before you really get into the next tier, which is probably the teams that, that you'd say are most likely to make the NCAA tournament. So, so we're going to add uh, Minnesota, Penn State, and Purdue to your C level or the third level tier. Um, Chris, I'm going to turn the question about Purdue uh, to you. We've talked Minnesota and, and somewhat Penn State. Um, I, would you agree with me or, or disagree that it, as Trevion Williams goes, uh, Purdue's going to go? They, they have solid guards. They have some really intriguing guards coming in as freshmen uh, with uh, Ivy and Morton. And Painter does a good job developing guys. Like Hunter made a big jump last year from his freshman year to his sophomore year. Um, so I, I look for them, to, their guards, to be real solid. But Travion Williams had some games where he took some time off and possessions off, and you don't have harms backing him up. 
that that position's not as deep, and they did a lot of pick and rolls and a lot of stuff with that post. Uh, your thoughts on Purdue um, at, at basically number nine in the Big Ten? You know, I, Painter's you know Painter's coaching ability, I think, plays a big role in this, and I think we have to give him credit that he can do a lot with very little you know, if he can get the guys to play. And I think Travion Williams is going to be the make or break guy, as you said, because, you know, his scoring ability and his breaking out ability was maybe not as consistent as it needed to be last year. But I think that maybe he sees with Eastern gone, with harms gone, that this is his time to shine. And then he may be able to kind of take over games. But, you know, my concern is that Purdue may have to rely too much on their incoming you know, stars that they're getting, you know, and I think for a lot of it, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a question mark. I'm not going to certainly be, you know, I think Brandon Newman can bring a lot to the table, but I'm not going to be shedding a tear if Purdue's in the cellar by any means, but I don't expect them to be there, but I do think that they're going to take a hit because, you know, Matt's Matt Harms was such an emotional leader and no Joel Eastern had just so much talent on the floor. Uh, If Travion Williams doesn't become the player that Purdue needs them to be, you could see them really dip very deep in the conference standings. That's for sure. Purdue's always known for their defense. Harms was a heck of a shot blocker, uh, and and Nogel Eastern guarded the best player. Uh, and I I don't know if I see someone on that roster who's ready to stand up and fill those two roles. Now Painter will get them playing team defense. I think Purdue's the team from this tier that could move up. I think Ohio State, which is going to be in Andy's next tier, I would imagine. Ohio State's the one who could fall. You know, everyone has said they're ahead of Indiana and 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 Holtman's better than Archie, but they've been right there just almost one game better than IU uh, every uh, every year, except that very first year they both were coaching at their new spots when Kata Bates-Diop uh, had that monster year and really bust Ohio State out. And they lost, Ohio State lost some. So if I had to predict a team to fall back uh, down to the third tier of Andes, it would be Ohio State and move Purdue up. But um, let's go to Tier 2, uh, your B-level team. you got eight teams left, Andy. Do they divide up equally four and four, or, or, or how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I think there's a, a next four here, which would be in some order Ohio State, Rutgers, IU, and, and Michigan. And, again, I'll kind of go back to the, the three-man weave guys. They've been putting out their previews, um, all four of those teams. Teams fell within six spots of one another between 24 and 29, and Purdue actually was in that mix as well, uh, where the Big Ten had this cluster of, of five out of six teams. And and I think Ohio State's an interesting one, as you said, Coach. They they do lose, um, you know, they lose the Wessons finally. Um, you know, they had lost DJ Carton midway through the year, lose Luther Muhammad to transfer. And, and they've got some new guys that they're going to have to try to, to weave in. Um, Seth Towns from Harvard, a, a really solid player. Uh, and uh, Abel Porter from Utah State, another guy who played a lot of minutes for them. Not a big scorer, but a, a run-the-team type guy. So it's it's a little bit odd. They, they really need Towns to play uh, extremely well. And he averaged 16 points a game at Harvard, so that's not out of the question. But uh, I think they need a lot from him. They also have a, a transfer, uh, Justice Suing from Cal, who – was a 14 point a game guy there. He sat out last year, so he's been in the program for for a bit. So they're counting a lot more on new faces, maybe than um, than at least IU and Rutgers uh, within this same tier. Uh, I think again, it's probably a nod to Holtman, if anything else. But you do have to figure out uh, what you're going to do to replace Wesson, who was a, a centerpiece of what they did, and, and his ability to step out and make shots. 
uh, was was impressive. So they really need Kyle Young to slip into that because otherwise they've got a ton of wing guys and um, you know Purdue's in a little bit the same boat as you mentioned, just in terms of of, of limited post depth. Um, so they fall in that tier. Uh, Michigan, they get Livers back. That was certainly important. Their next big question mark is whether uh, Shondi Brown from Wake Forest gets a gets a waiver. Uh, he was a, a twelve point game guy there. They're counting on a, a transfer from Columbia, which you don't really know uh, what what he can step in and do. And but you do have a, a solid core with Livers and, and Wagner and Eli Brooks back. Um, so I think they've they, they're kind of an odd mix of uh, of pieces there, but hard to replace what you got defensively out of Simpson and Teske. Uh, I think that that becomes really difficult to to figure out how you replace that as you're bringing new pieces in. So I think they. They might be the team for me that could fall a tier lower, um, maybe more so even than Ohio State. And you got IU who returns almost everybody. Um, as we talked about, you know, you lose Devontae, you lose Justin. We've we've talked all offseason about IU, so I don't need to tell anybody uh, the pieces that are in place there. And then Rutgers brings pretty much everybody except Yaboa back. Uh, so you got Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. and, and uh, a number of guys who scored, you know, six, seven, eight points a game. So I think that becomes, uh, you, you know, really intriguing. They're one that may be uh, under the radar hurt as much by potentially not playing home games with fans as anybody um, in terms of what their record has been at the rack over the, the last handful of years. But, you know, this tier feels to me like pretty, pretty solid, reasonable projections to be NCAA tournament teams, but probably not challenging for the, the league championship. So uh, you, you have Indiana in here. You have Rutgers, uh, Michigan, and and whom I uh, leave and Ohio State in those four. Chris, I'll throw this question to you: um, Where does Indiana fall in this tier? If this is the tier where they're going to fall, are they going to be fifth? Are they going to be sixth, seventh, eighth? In your mind, what teams are they better uh, better than that Andy just mentioned? You know, it's it's intriguing because the Rutgers. I think Rutgers to me is the biggest you know, can they continue to play up to the level they did last year? They got a really good freshman coming in and Cliff Omer, uh, Omer I believe his name, the center, that was a big steal for them. So, you know, I, I worry about Geo Baker. I worry about Ron Harper Jr. Who was just clutch as can be against us. I know and, and, and play solid and Miles Johnson. I, I don't know. I, I think that I could see us probably in the six, region area. I, I think Michigan could take the biggest dip. They lost out on um, that recruit that went to, to Arizona state. I think it was, his last name was Christopher. That was a big, a big snub for them. Uh, but with levers coming back, um, I don't know, but it, it, can you, can you do much be, besides those two? I'm not sure. I, I would say I would probably put a six and I'm honestly thinking maybe putting Rutgers at five there. So five and then us at six, the Ohio State thing is interesting because they're returning a lot of the role players. Like Musa Jal is going to be a senior. Um, you know, I don't know where the scoring is going to come from there. I, you know, Wesson kind of was able to take control of the game by himself. They don't really have that down low. They don't have an established post presence that's going to be able to do the things that he did and also step outside and shoot the three. Um, I don't know. I, I think that if, if Ohio State does not find reliable scoring, they could really take a big dip even if they have some veterans returning, where's the scoring going to come from? Because you lose quite a bit with Caleb Wesson. Um, you know, I, I, it's been talked about a lot with IU, but, you know, is, is, 
you know, are you going to find the complementary players consistently for Trace? Is that going to be the difference with us being at the sixth position at that tier versus eight? I think a lot's going to come down to it, but I do think that that Rutgers could be con- a contending factor. But I do agree with Andy that you know you're 18 and one last season at the rack. How are you going to do if you know there's a bubble situation? How are you going to play if you don't have that home court advantage that willed themselves to so many wins during the season? That's a big question mark. It's an interesting tier because there's been discussion all off season about which team is better, Ohio State or Michigan, for that five, six spots. And some people say Ohio State's better. I, I tend to be a little different than you guys. I think uh, Livers coming back pushes uh, Michigan. The concern I have for Michigan is I don't think they guard as well as other teams. And then uh, Xavier Simpson missing, running all that pick and roll that um, they like to run. So so I see where you guys are coming. Uh, and, and you've diluted my view of the Wolverines uh, coming into tonight. I was going to say the Wolverines might be a, a team that moved up a tier, but I'm backing off that right now because you guys and your expertise on that. But I, I, I'd like to look up, and, and maybe I should have uh, prepared more for today, but defensive numbers. Ohio State guard play is important. The one thing I feel good about Indiana is they're going to have multiple point guards. And you look, the two Michigan teams are losing very good point guards, and they're going to have to bring someone new in to run the show. Indiana's got Rob Finnessy hopefully at, at full strength, and then you know, Christian Lander also capable of playing the point and you have a dominant center. So I think Indiana moves up this tier. I think they're going to be hanging out in the five, six, but I would say Indiana and Rutgers might be the two teams that could pop and move up. And so Andy, that leaves four teams for your, um, your top tier. Um, who's going to be the best of, of the, the big 10. I mean, I lean toward uh, that, that obviously leaves Iowa, Illinois, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. And I'd probably put Wisconsin first as much as anyone who listens to us regularly uh, would, would admit that it pains me. But they, they basically return everybody from the team that they had toward the end of last season that was really playing well. Um, they got a couple of solid big guys in Reavers and Potter and then uh, experienced guards and Davidson and Trice throw in Aleem Ford and you got five guys who are scoring eight and a half points a game, which is uh, which is important. They really only lose Brevin Pritzel, uh, who was there, but I think they've got other guys that can step into that spot. So, so I gave them the nod just from a, a balance standpoint. Um, you know, Iowa is is the one that's uh, the the lightning rod, I think, for a lot of people. Um, where many people have them in the top five in the country, I think that's. Uh, you can look at the offense and get really excited about that, and you just got to figure out like how how good can they really be without improving their defense a lot more than they've shown the ability to do over the course of uh, these last handful of years. So that you know they can they, they may have the most efficient offense in the country when it's all said and done. It's just a matter of if, if they find somebody that can slow them down a little bit, are they able to guard uh, well enough? So uh, you know they, they are. You're starting to see a few people who are down on them, maybe a little bit more than others. Again, I'll kind of reference the, the three-man weave guys. that They have them. Uh, they actually had Michigan State, um, uh, Iowa, and Illinois all back-to-back-to-back to back to back, um, over the last few days. Uh, I'm not sure if they didn't rank Illinois that way before they knew Coburn was coming back, but um, they had those three, you know, not much separation at all. Illinois, uh, uh, you get back Io and, uh, and Coburn. Add those to a, a you know a, a solid set of, of returnees. There, they've got a couple of decent recruits coming in, so uh, I think you feel you know relatively relatively good about about them. They've got uh, Georgie is is there, 
Um, they lose a little bit of shooting with Alan Griffin leaving, and, and they lose Andres Feliz, who uh, I, I thought was a really good player. But they've got you know a couple top fifty guys coming in that can maybe help pick up some of those uh, some of the bench minutes. And then Michigan State, you know, really to put them here after losing Cassius and uh, and Xavier Tillman is ultimately just a nod to Tom Mizzo figuring things out as he as he typically does. But those are two really really big pieces. You do get Joey Hauser. It'll be interesting to see, you know, you lose a lot defensively when you move from Xavier Tillman to, to Hauser, but offensively, uh, he'll be solid. And and it's really rather Rocket Watts can be a, uh, you know, guy that runs the show. He he didn't have to be a pass first guy last year and took a lot of shots and used a lot of possessions. And so how successful can he be in that role really, to me, is the the big question there. But Putting them in this top tier is uh, as much of a nod to Tom Izzo as anything. They have talent, but but uh, losing a guy like Winston is is huge. So they'd be probably the you know number four for me. I'd probably have Iowa third, Illinois second, and then uh, Wisconsin first. Chris, who's your Big Ten championship as you see it? Uh, champion as you see it ton- uh, tonight? Uh, is I would you know Illinois to me? I think could be with all the talent coming back and, you know, you throw in, you know, what Andy discussed, you also add in Trent Fraser, who's tremendously poised on the floor. I have to lean right now on Illinois, but I could also see them be in that third spot, but I would, I would probably either put Illinois or Wisconsin at the top. I think that's could be a very close contest. I think the returning experience of, of Wisconsin uh, is tremendous, uh, you know, as, you know, as much as I hate to give them credit, but I, I do have some questions about Iowa, you know, uh, Bohannon's ability on the floor coming back. That's going to be interesting to see. I mean, Gars is self-explanatory, but I think a lot of times it'll be interesting to see how teams uh, defend him, if they're going to try to double him up more and what that's going to do to allow for more outside shooting. But I'd have to, I'd have to put Illinois – uh, as 1A in Wisconsin is 1B right now. And I think, you know, the Michigan State thing is interesting. You know, you had the Marquette transfer, Joey Hauser. I do agree with Andy that he may not be as much of a defender down low as Xavier Tillman was, but I think his offensive ability is going to uh, bring in – is going to be welcomed in that. But you can never you can never put Izzo out of the, out of the option, out of the conversation, no matter what, no matter how much they're down. Um, it'll be interesting to see – uh, you know, what, what Aaron Henry does to that team with Michigan State, you know, you know, such a talent on the floor, what he's going to be able to do. Rocket Watts obviously has to st- step into a major, uh, you know, position having to kind of succeed Cassius Winston. So um, those top four, I wouldn't be surprised if any of them eclipses it. Maybe not Michigan State, but I would I would have to say 1A, 1B, Illinois and Wisconsin. Uh, I agree. It's hard for me to go against Wisconsin with their post play. Uh, and their veterans coming back. I like Illinois as the uh, not surprised, but as as if I had to pick Illinois, I would also pick Iowa as the team most likely to fall out uh, because of, of their defense. And uh, I think the Big Ten is going to be at least eight to ten deep uh, in the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that in, in the break if you want to stick with us. But um, we're going to uh, now get ready. Um, we'll review real quick the the top team: Wisconsin, Illinois. The bottom team. Nebraska, we could almost say those things for sure. Um, But coming up in our third segment, we'll answer uh, two or three questions. Uh, Stick with us here on the assembly call.
sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Vernell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? The full court dribble and perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And, of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Brian Tonsoni. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and IU Artifacts, Chris Williams. Uh, Remember, you need to subscribe to our email newsletter. We send out uh, that newsletter every week. Uh, we send an IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866 and go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's time now for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, assemblycall.com backslash community. This first question comes from Ed. I'm going to send this over to you, Chris. Do you believe in the curse of the Showalter Fountain, and do you know where the fish uh, might be residing these days? Uh, the the infamous fish, I do not know of its location. I certainly do not have it uh, among my uh, items. I'm sure that was long gone before I even started collecting, and I'm not sure where it is. But uh, the curse, no, I don't believe in it. Um, you know, I, I the lore of the fountain is – is obviously a good discussion. And I know there were many people that, you know, had their enjoyment after the 87 championship, but I, I, uh, I don't believe in it, but, um, you know, hopefully that the next time we, uh, when we win our next national title, uh, we can all go down there and, and kind of rid the curse, but not steal the fish and not destroy, uh, not destroy Venus while we're at, while we're at it. So, um, I was in the fountain in 1987 and I may or may not know um, about the disappearing fish. Um, we're just going to throw that out there. So uh, we're going to move on to our next question. It comes from Jeff. Uh, there is some talk in the last 24, 48 hours of using Orlando as a bubble facility for the early season college basketball tournaments, Maui, Battle for Atlantis, et cetera. Uh, Andy, would you be in favor of an idea of moving those uh, tournaments to one spot uh, because no fans could attend if it meant the season could start on time or a slight delay. Um, would you like a bubble for those off-season tournaments? Yeah, I mean, I think the reality at this point is there's no reason to believe that there's going to be crowds no matter where these games are held. So, so to me, at that point, um, while you know watching the the Maui floor and the small gym and the soft rims and all that stuff is is a part of the allure of that event. The fact that um, nobody would be there anyway to me, then I'm, I'm all for the bubble. If that means I can get things started. Uh, it sounds like there's been a number of ideas kind of thrown around where, you know, a couple major conference teams might get a couple of small teams and play kind of like a round Robin and do some of that. They Gary Parrish, I think talked about that on the, the CBS podcast this week. So, um, you know, if the NCAA is open to it, which it sounds like they are, and it's a way that, uh, colleges can do it and they can, um, you know, handle the right testing and, 
handle all the financial aspects of it. I, I don't have any issue with it because to me, the it's not really a make or break as whether the fans are going to be there at this point because I don't think they will be. So uh, if it means we're having games and they, they do that at different venues, then I'm, uh, I'm, I'm definitely open to it just for the chance to watch some college basketball. Chris, your thoughts on moving the preseason – or not preseason, but the early season college basketball tournaments to uh, one or two locations and having all the teams be there. Yeah, I'm kind of with Andy. I, I don't anticipate being in a venue even with a mask on to watch a game this year or the season. So I think anything that can do to get the players out on the floor to play, I think there's a lot of logistical situations they got to deal with and they got to work around concerns about each university's position on it. But I think if they can get them to play and, and everybody's involved, I think if it's proven to work for NBA and, and you can get something similar to it, I think why not go for it? But I think there's it's there's a lot logistically that has to work in everybody's favor for that to happen. But if it happens, great. Obviously, there's been a, a lot of talk with uh, all, all of the stuff that's going on in our in our world of sports. We've tried to stay away from it on this segment. Uh, we'll get back to it again, I'm sure, as decisions are made about college uh, basketball. We, we got about 45 seconds, gentlemen. There was uh, one question from Bay Area Hoosier. He said there's some pessimism on Trey Kaufman's speculation or, or truth. Uh, I, I'll, I'll grab that one real quick. I, I've heard nothing but good things about the recruitment of Trey Kaufman. I cannot promise he's coming to IU. I don't know that that's a guarantee, uh, but from the sources that I hear, there there, there is uh, heavy interest, and um, as, as there are from some other schools, but uh, Indiana is about as good a situation as they could possibly be without a commitment uh, at this time, and, and hopefully he'll pull the trigger on that. And if not, we, we do wish him well. And they said, what's your guess? Uh, we got about 20 seconds. Real quick answer. What's your guess on how many recruits in the next 2021 uh, season? We have one in Logan, Duncan, Chris. How many do you think Archie's going to take? I think we got two more coming in. And Andy? Well, uh, I'd say two more as well. That balances out the classes. Th- there you go. That's it. We're done. No more questions. And... It, I don't have my uh, script ready to go. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the <laughs> Assembly Call. Uh, if you want to see us do the show live, join us here at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Until Take then. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. And that'll do it, folks. Thanks for sticking with us on that third segment replay. Sorry about the internet. I do have a full house. Uh, all my children are home and spouses. <laughs> I told him to stay off the Wi-Fi, but who knows? So you know the the Trey Kaufman. You didn't, you didn't confiscate their phones and put them all in a basket next to you or something? <laughs> no, you, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> you know the Trey Kaufman thing's interesting because I think you know Virginia's the biggest contender, but right now they they can't he can't go there, he can't visit there, and I think the proximity to home and just the fact that the current situation and you know, the rapport he's already developed with the, you know, the current coaching staff here. I think all those play a major role in, in, in the fact that I think he's coming here, but I, I, you know, who knows? I mean, it's Bennett's Tony Bennett's really good recruiting the state of Indiana, as we've seen with guys like Kyle guys. So 
Um, it wouldn't surprise me, but I, I have a good feeling about Kaufman coming I, here. So I've heard that the other big schools are not near in position that Indiana has. The one is Virginia. That's what I'm hearing is that he really would like to take a visit to Virginia, and he's really intrigued um, with Virginia. And, and I say intrigued not so much that he's over Indiana, but that's the one of the three big. I think Louisville, North Carolina were the other two. Um, yeah. So, and then there's Purdue also that is still in the mix, but uh, I think we we're we're in good position over over Purdue. So, again, yep. it's the best decision. I always say this with everyone on recruiting: it's it's where the young man wants to go, and it's not an easy decision. And and uh, we hope he comes to Indiana. I think it'd be good for the Hoosiers. Uh, if not, we'll we'll wish him well. Mm-hmm. So let's let's do this um, a little bonus. Uh, I had a question ready in case we needed it for segment two. Uh, the venues, the toughest venues in the Big Ten to play, and then that can kind of be added to the question that if there are no fans or we have to move to a bubble, which teams stand, tend to, to lose the most uh, for moving out of um, their home court or, or having no fans? Uh, Andy, we'll start with you. Uh, what would you say is the toughest Big Ten venue to play? Uh well, I mean, the toughest for IU is apparently Wisconsin, but I'm right. not sure if that's if it's, you're not being team specific. But um, I, you know, I don't know. It 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 definitely pains me to say it, but Purdue is a really really tough place to play. Uh, you know, I think they consistently, you know, rate up there as as one of the tougher places to play when when things are really going well there. Uh, they show up early. They're loud. You, you can attest to that from. Uh, from covering games there, so I think that's one. I think uh, the the Breslin Center uh, has been one that has always been really thought of up there as well, just because you got everybody so close to the floor um, when you have that. Um, so I, th- those would be the couple that stand out. I mean, whoever you know, Wisconsin, I think is, has certainly been difficult for IU. I don't know that it's inherently difficult. I think some of the difficulty there is there style of play um uh, probably some arguments to be made for the uh officiating by uh by iu fans and things like that and, and we talked about rutgers in the rack i mean I, I remember watching them play games there when they were back in the big east and um you know just a small place really gets rocking they, they got behind that team a ton last year so i i, I probably would say purdue first and, and maybe michigan state second um but i think rutgers is kind of a, a sneaky one there chris your thoughts on venues you Tough know we were talking about people on the floor and it reminded me of the old rec hall at Penn state where the fans were like right on the edge of the floor. And that made me think about that, but you know, the Cole center, we don't have a great track record there. I think um, Michigan state, I think that one still kind of has our number. I think the barn just messes with us. I think the floor setup messes with us. I think honestly though, of all the venues that, I would want to visit that I haven't been to the barn would be at the top of the list just because of the fact that it's historic and it's the oldest venue that I'm aware of still using the big 10. And the fact that all these other modern facilities that are much bigger, uh, you know, and I, I think that just brings in a, a level of coolness to it. But I think I, I would say the barn and then the coal center probably. And obviously, you know, Mackey's, Mackey is Mackey. And, you know, if you've been in there for, as a, as a fan, you know, it's, it's rocking and it's, 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 you know, that, you know, even in our, even with our toughest teams, our better teams, we still 
have to kind of get beyond the, uh, the, the those early minutes of adjusting to playing in that kind of environment. Yeah, I, I think th- those three, uh, Purdue is just incredibly hard to play. Uh, great atmosphere. The rack uh, would be up there, and then the Breslin Center because of those students right on the floor really get after right. it hard. Um, and and I do like your 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 selection of the barn just because it's different. You know that's what yeah. I think Hinkle adds something to to the way it's set up and the the old style gyms. I think that plays uh, into the home team's uh, favor. Uh, the, the bigger the fans are right on the t- right on top of you. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah. Wisconsin, I think, just gets official bonus. I mean that that building is brand new, and the same with Ohio State. It's not bad atmosphere, but th- those bigger stadiums that go up. Um, they're they're not as tough, I don't think, to play in uh, as you get some of those older gyms or, or you know the Breslin Center's a newer version, but it's not so big. I mean it doesn't it doesn't host NCAA tournaments. It's not big enough to do that. It's just kind of on, on top of each other, like you said there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see with no fans. You know, I think Assembly Hall is a great home court advantage. When when it gets rocking and, and Indiana gets playing for big games. It's hard to play in there, and it's so unique with the sides too. I think that vision and all those kinds of things uh, play with shooters, yeah. and uh, it needs to get back to a big home court advantage. But it's going to be um, it's going to be weird if uh, with the, the no fans uh, situation to see who benefits. I think it always goes to talent. You know, when, when you take away that, that's why I worry about Rutgers. You take away that home court advantage. Um, and are they as good? Are the players as good? Or they just play better when they're hyped up? It, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Dominic yeah. in the, says Michigan. Yeah, the way that's set up, that bowl. Right, it's more like a, it's more like Mackey, and yeah. and their students are right behind the bench too. That's a good point. I feel like I give a little bit of extra credit to the ones that I know will show up for every game. Like I think Michigan gets loud for a lot of the bigger games, right. for some of the you know some of the big games. But there's. There's definitely been games there over the course of time when they weren't as good, where it kind of uh, it really suffers and is not nearly what it it can be. I think at its at its peak, it's it's fairly impressive. I just don't know that it reaches that peak as frequently. That's kind of where I, you know, lean more toward the Michigan States and the Purdue's, where it feels like you know, game in, game out, they're showing up loud, doing whatever. I think Rutgers is a little bit that way. I mean, they, you know, when they are playing well. Uh, fans really got behind them last year, and um, that that can be a tough place to play. But maybe that's why I elevated the other couple above that, where I just feel like it's game in, game out. It doesn't really matter. They show up and, and do their thing. Well, and if you think about Assembly Hall, I mean, you know, someone who's a season ticket holder, those preseason games, you can tell that we had the largest student section in the country because they're not there. You know, and I think that's a good, you know, I think that is, you know, they're there for the big games. And I get it, you know, they're college students, it is what it is, but I think that having the largest student section in the country, if that's still the case, certainly in the Big Ten, is a double-edged sword because if you're not showing up, you know, game in and game out, then, you know, it's one of the greatest things I love during the holidays because all those tickets on on the uh, east side or west side, east. but the side that's facing east side, thank you, the side that's facing the bench, those are full by people that, you know, get to go to their first games, take their kids during the holidays when those tickets are available because students are home. That's a great thing to see. And it, and it really, you know, I love the fact that we have such a great student section, but it also, you can tell when people aren't there and aren't showing up. And, and 
you know, you could call it, you know, the talent on the floor, you could call it the comp- competition of, of the team over the last however many years combined. But I think it's on an upward trend and it will get better whenever we get back to that point of normalcy. An unrated home court advantage is Nebraska. If they ever, you know, stopped turning their roster over every year and once Hoiberg gets going, I, I think that that place is going to be a, a, a crazy place to play in a non-traditional sense. I just I'm, I'm, I'm okay if they figure out a loophole just to leave. That's fine with me. Take, you, you, you know, upset with Nebraska? I just – I'm a traditionalist, and I'm, I was just fine with 11 teams in the Big Ten and the old logo, and I don't – you know, you know, anyways. I digress. I'm not going down that road. And I'm not certainly not going to get the conversation started about the Big Ten as a whole, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> we, we tried to steer away from all that tonight, Chris, and just talk just – Sorry, talk I'm sorry. I – there's no passive aggressiveness in that statement, I guarantee you. I'm just I'm just here for the ride. So <laughs> we had a good bubble question. That had to pop I mean it's it's the current event of the century, but Yeah. It was nice not to not to allude to it with regularity though, at least. So Yeah, I mean not, not the, to have the whole second. Foc- it was not the focal point. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's it's fine just, in my book. You you get enough of that with uh I you know I mean at a certain point, what can you say about it that hasn't already been said? as it pertains to sports and until you really start to be able to see some clear direction on what's, what's, what's going to go on. The big yeah. 10 seems like they're going to, you know, hold their ground and do what they said they were going to do. And I think I'm abnormal. I admit, I don't know shit about what's going on. I just, <laughs> other than I know what's been announced. I mean, I don't know. Dr. A versus Dr. B, whatever. I just wake up, go to work and, the the rivalry of the epidemiologists that are the experts that are giving, you know, it's interesting. Everybody's expert is their expert in that situation, but they can't come to consensus. So it's kind of like a crab shoot. You know, I, I can't, you know, I'm glad we got rid of YouTube TV when they hiked up the price because there's no live sports. So I haven't been watching NBA or ML, MLB and actually it's been great, but I'm glad that I don't have to, pay attention to half the bullshit that's that's being thrown out there by everybody because it's it's just it's overwhelming you know i'll watch i'll go back and watch my documentaries and i'll watch ken burns baseball at least i know that what to expect there so i'm good with that i'm fine (laughs) yeah i've watched i've watched a lot more baseball than i uh than i have in in normal seasons which Hey, uh, has really, really driven an intense hatred. Of, hey, of, at least we didn't have a, me in the Reds bullpen. So. <laughs> we didn't have a Tom Brenneman moment tonight to worry about. Mm. Oh my gosh! Yeah, nice. that's, uh, the awkwardness sad. of the home run call, and then yeah, to, just sad all the way around. In the middle, yeah, and the home run call in the middle of it, and then the the ever present. That's not who I am, but that just that's you don't one. say that. You don't say that in the situation where you know there's a whole bunch of people that can hear you that are just associated with the broadcast and in the booth or whatever, I, I really struggle to believe that that just you're five seconds from time, going live is, is the first time that that's rolled out of your mouth. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's not, I just, I, I, that's a real, that's a real struggle for me. So I'm interested, Andy, you know, how the reception has been, I mean, obviously, but you know, you're kind of in ground zero over there on, on, you know, it's just everywhere. I'm sure, and how I'm yeah, sure he's I, being. I honestly like. I I haven't paid. I, I was too busy today to really uh, pay too much attention uh, to it. I know they had talked to Marty, and uh, you know, I think he had said, you know, you you hurt for him because it's your kid. 
but he was, you know, Marty Brennan was an institution here for years and years and years. And so there's, I think it makes it even a little bit more difficult for people to, to hear and, and kind of deal with. But I honestly, uh, I probably will a little bit later here this evening, but uh, had enough going on today that I didn't hear too much about what, what was being said around town about it and, uh, and different things like that. And yeah, just kind of a, a bad situation all the way around. Like I said, I just don't know how you can kind of talk your way out of it, that that's not, I, you know, a, I, a term that you would use yeah. with, again, at least some regularity. So I, I struggle with that part of it. And, but um, he knew, he knew right away that he oh, really yeah. messed up and he didn't sugarcoat it either. He said, this might be the last time I put on the headset. Yeah. So he knew the, the severity of it. And yeah, somebody was mentioning yeah. that there was a connection. There was, rewatch of some game IU game and Brenneman was on the call and it was just the irony of that game being, I can't remember somebody was on Twitter. I saw where somewhere where, you know, a rewatch or they found a game where that was being shown or highlighted and it was Brenneman calling the football game. It had to been like sometime in the nineties, but I just, the irony is yeah. just too much. Yeah. So yeah, it'll distract everybody from David Bell's uh, coaching decisions and the fact that, <laughs> who he decides to use in the bullpen and not. So yeah. for him, maybe it's a, it's a positive, although they've had their fair share of COVID related scares as well for a time or two here and there. So, but yeah, I've, I've yeah. definitely watched more of that and, uh, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, yep. we did not, we did not abandon the YouTube TV after the, the price increase. I, I considered it. And then I looked at some of the others and I was like, is it really there? Most of the others aren't that much different. We had, playstation view for a while that one went under and so we haven't hulu's, hulu's not bad but i'm a dumb but i i pay for the direct tv we've done just call and threaten them to leave when it's time you're that's what i always did is threaten to leave and then you know force them to give you the best rate hang up on them I, I'm, I'm a sports junkie and their sports programming has me just reeled in you know what's funny is is i haven't missed it you know I want, I have CBS all access for a month. I just, I've been on these, it sounds terrible, but I've been just been renewing like free months with different, I, I have like <laughs> 11 different emails. So it's coming in handy here, but I've had Hulu free for like six months, like the, the regular Hulu, but you know, having the PGA back has been all I really have needed, but um, I haven't missed, I haven't watched any NBA or really much baseball and, I'm okay with it. You know, I'll sure I'll hit a point where I'll be on a frenzy and have to start rewatching old basketball games again. So I don't know. Here, here's, you know, I'm a big better a dollar bet at, at a time. I thought I was betting cam Davis for first round leader at three fifty to one. I bet it cam Smith instead. And who, who <laughs> won the first round today is cam, cam Davis. Davis. I would have hit. Oh my gosh. Oh. I don't even know. Where are they right no. now? I don't even know. They're at the playoffs in TPC Boston. Oh, that's right. The FedEx playoffs. It's the playoffs, yeah. Man. I've been spending way too I'll much time what, studying PGA. <laughs> I'm just ready for Augusta. I don't care if the fans are there. The music, all I need is the music, and I'm good. If you know Cam Davis and Sepp Straka, my life has not been too exciting. It's getting, getting rough. Getting rough. <laughs> yeah. I know the 123rd ranked golfer in FedEx Cup. I need you're I on need, it. You're I on need it. some sports back. Mm-hmm. Jeez, oh Pete. 
My tailgate right, bar is so, in my basement. That needs to go down to Bloomington. It's going to be a while before that gets down to Bloomington. Coach, I haven't had Buffaloes. Get in my yard. Might have to. Let's come. We can, we can just sit out in the yard and tailgate. Put a I think I'm going to do go. a, a remote assembly call from Jay Horry's basement. That would be good. There you go. It's there one of go. those times when he's doing a brisket or something. I'll just go down there and take my microphone and there you eat go. his food, drink his beer. And call it a night. There you go. All right, fun. everybody, stay safe. Always a big part of my week. Get a little hit of uh, goodness. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery: the Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.